The steel is real, and the Georgia electors belong to the President of the United States. Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Returning to the show, our regular guest, the election integrity activist and expert fighting the good fight in Georgia on the ground as we speak, our friend Garland Favorito. Hello, Garland. How are you this week? Hello, Monica, and hello, Binkley. I'm hanging by a thread. My head is spinning. It's a, it's a whirlwind tour I'm on here. Well, that video I saw of you presenting to the Georgia House Governmental Affairs Committee this week, I assume that's what you were trying to bring to the Senate the week before when they shut you out. It blew me away. Well, thank you, Michael. Actually, um, no, I, I re, that's all new evidence that I came up with. I was actually had a different presentation for the Senate, but when, uh, that video that they played just blew me away because uh, I was there, you know, I was at State Farm and we, it, it put all the pieces together for me because we couldn't figure out why there were these invalid ballots. And then when the president's legal team played that video for the Senate, it put all the pieces of the puzzle together for me. So I went back and redid my presentation uh, for the House. And then it was just a struggle to get on the agenda. I was on again, off again. I think I told you last week, I was the number six uh, witness scheduled for the president's legal team, and the chairman booted me off of the agenda, uh, put me at the end, and never never got down anywhere near that far in, in regards to the witness list. So this week, um, I was they had had me on again. They said, "Oh yeah, yeah, we'll lead off with you." And then we got down there, they kicked us off, kicked me off again. Uh, and the other person that had some very good testimony as well about the line feed. So, so we finally had to fight and fight and fight. And, and Wait, who kicked you off again? Uh, the, well, the chairman, Shaw Blackman. Uh, but then he got a lot of pressure from several of the representatives, uh, whose constituents had called and wanted me on. So he uh, graciously allowed me to get on. He called me, gave me a call, and uh, I said, "Well, okay, here's what I'm going to tell." And he said, "Okay, that's fine." So, so we uh, he sent me on. I was at the, well, I was the last one on the agenda next, and then my uh, other fellow, David uh, Cross, who's got a lot of the election line feed analysis, he followed me. We we wanted to go back to back because my presentation kind of uh, set him up with a little bit more detail on the election line feeds and how the spikes in Joe Biden's votes uh, tied directly to uh, the scan of the illegal ballots in Fulton County. So, Well, uh, I didn't get to see that, but I saw the video that you put out, that 15 minutes, and I'm wondering if you can... Uh, if you can just give us a blow by blow. I mean, it, it was crystal clear when you watched that video to me that what you had anticipated must have been go- going on behind the scenes to actually result in the way the ballot balloting came out later. But when you walk us through that video, can, do you mind giving us a blow by blow since uh, we can't watch the video in real time? Oh, I, I would love to. I, you could even almost play it. Um, so. Uh, sure. So I, I basically I started off in this presentation because I wanted to tell them a little bit about how we got here uh, and how I had told them 
that 17 years ago that this type of voting was probably unconstitutional. You can't verify it, audit it, and recount it. So I um, started off with that and I explained to them that I'd written to the legislature um, and, well, actually the Secretary of State's office and the evaluators 17 years ago. And I said, these machines are, that you're looking at are probably going to be unconstitutional uh, because they can't verify or audit or recount the results. So they ignored us back then and the General Assembly actually legalized uh, unverifiable voting back then, or actually un- unauditable voting. And they bought the machines, you remember the Debo DREs, and then the uh, Georgia Supreme Court denied our constitutional claims back uh, over 10 years ago in 2009. So then I fast-forwarded to this past year, and the uh, U.S. District Court uh, basically agreed with what I said 17 years ago, uh, and reversed the Georgia Supreme Court and said, yeah, these machines need to be banned because they are unconstitutional. And then I pointed out the fact that the um, the legislature went right back and did the same thing they did in 2002. They legalized this new form of unverifiable voting, which accumulates the votes that are in barcodes. And um, the... Uh, you know, that's the Secretary of State bought the Dominion Democracy Suite 5.5 system that we have now. And the U.S. District Court actually has already found that it doesn't meet Georgia law. So, so the system's kind of hanging by a thread right now already. Um, and then, um, and then I went through what my roles were, uh, as during this election. I was a state farm observer. I was, uh, an, an observer at the Fulton Tabulation Center, which is a warehouse uh, in downtown Atlanta. And then I was an audit monitor and a recount monitor. And on top of that, in the Constitution Party, uh, which I'm elections director, we organized dozens and dozens of um, of monitors in dozens of counties uh, around the state. So um, I, I walked them through the 20,000-foot uh, 20,000 vote spike I saw for Joe Biden and the fact that I had uh, notified the elections director in Fulton County and the county attorney and the, uh, and as well as the director and I, you know, I made an open records request and I just I never got a response so um, and then I was talk I was walking them through when I, we were audit, audit monitors and there were so many things I couldn't cover because I only had like 10 to 12 minutes um, but um, we noticed that three boxes of 100% Biden ballots. And that's like almost mathematically impossible, even in a county where it's 70-30 uh, Biden. So, but the, probably the most important thing were the four auditors that said that they detected the potentially fraudulent absentee ballots. These were ones that they didn't have creases from being mailed they weren't marked with a writing instrument like a pen or a pencil. They looked like they had toner marks and different stocks. So I filed an ORR, an open records request, uh, to, so that we could view those in the custody of the elections director and we could find out how many there are, uh, and maybe, uh, figure out who actually won this presidential election. Uh, but that, I was denied that request as well. No, uh, actually I wasn't denied. They just ignored me. Uh, I keep submitting these open records requests to Fulton County, and they just flat ignore them, which is I also- I have to say, the thing about like 100% being Biden ballots as being mathematically impossible, my guess is that their errors would make it 
not 100%. You know, even if you didn't have any Trump voters, people just filling the boxes in wrong by accident would make it not perfect. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it, that was just crazy. Seems impossible. Yeah, somebody was uh, talking about the mathematical statistics of that, and and it really is, it's it's absurd. Yeah, it's like quadrillion to one or something. Do they have a defense to that? What is their justification for that? Nobody will answer a question. Fulton County is dead silent on everything. We even and you've made formal requests. Oh yes, Uh, and not only I've requested made formal requests to the elections director, every member of the elections board, the county attorney, and even the open records request process. So they've said nothing about the toner marks, and they've said nothing about the 100% Biden ballots. Correct. No one will say anything, either the Fulton County or the Secretary of State's office. Now, Now, they did try to say that maybe it was a reconstructed uh, ballot from one that was scanned uh, that, that was rejected because it was torn or something like that. They could have a few of those. But when they fixed those, they fixed them with uh, these paper summary ballots on the ballot marking device. They don't recreate an absentee ballot, which is a different format. That's the one that doesn't have the barcode. It's got the full regular ballot that you get in the mail. So. So they're claiming that the scanned ballots were reconstructed ballots, but you're saying that's not how they do reconstructed ballots, or that's not how they do ballots that were had to be reconstructed. That's right. They they have to do those on the uh, with those the ones that have the barcodes that you would get out of the ballot marking device because they use the ballot marking device to reconstruct a ballot that is rejected by the scanner, an absentee ballot. Um, so so that explanation doesn't hold water. And then, so I'm, so I'm trying to figure out, well, how could the audit counters have found all these invalid, invalid ballots? That's what we, we've been wondering about this for a couple of weeks. And then the president's legal team shows the video at the Senate hearing last week and just stuns the, the world, uh, with it. And all of a sudden, all the pieces just kind of fall together. So I started walking them through the State Farm Arena because I had been the observer there, and I was explaining to them that the, the curvature of the room uh, is in itself a violation because you can't see from the monitor's area to the other side of the room because it's a curved room, um, and you can't see around the corner. Uh, so um, that's, uh, you know, in itself a violation of law. And then I started walking them through the, the chronology. Where was that table located? The skirted yeah. table. Yeah. So um, the, the skirted table um, came out. In fact, uh, you know, if you remember first, that came out at 822 a.m. Uh, first, if you remember, they had the water main break that wasn't a water main break. And that delayed the processing for two hours. The supervisor uh, made a delay. And during that delay, the lady with the blonde braids brought out the skirted table. It's in an area, uh, Binkley, where you can't really quite see it from the uh, monitor's area. Because the monitor's area is all the way off, if you could imagine, like a, a semicircle. And you're in the one left corner of the semicircle. And then the uh, table is over in the right corner of the semicircle. But you can't see around the corner to see what's going on. So the monitors really didn't have much visibility uh, in, into that. Where did that table come from? Is there another entrance over there? 
Yeah, there is. There's two entrances. There's the public entrance, which is right by the monitors area. And then the, um, the, uh, other entrance is where they have all the, the ballots and stuff. So that one, um, apparently came in from that area. Okay. So it came in from that entrance where it's a little bit harder for the monitor to see around the corner. Right. Right. And, and, uh, so then of course, and again, a skirted table is another violation of Georgia law. You know, everything should be transparent. You shouldn't have a skirted table to begin with. We had 125 tables at the recount and audit. I'm sorry, at the audit and not one of them was skirted. And in retrospect, it seems to be that the reason you don't want it is for the exact reason it was used. Exactly, Monica. It sounds like a table was brought in outside the view of the monitor that had a skirt on it, which is against the regulations. And it kind of sounds like it might have been done in, in a sneakily way, at least the way it's being described and the way the setup of the room. Uh, yeah, it's it's. You know, it's hard to say. Of course, they would argue there was, you know, nothing sneaky about it. Well, but I, you know, I find that the like blow by blow that you bring out with the video, it becomes increasingly clear. I mean, there's no doubt left in my mind. So let's keep going with the, you know, what you see. Yeah. Okay. Well, everything was normal throughout the day, Mike. You know, everything was going fine. And then suddenly at 10 o'clock, this lady with the blonde braids comes out again. And she makes an announcement about stopping processing. So that was at about 10 o'clock. And then um, at, by 1040, they had shut everything down or what appears to be everything. But the monitors were still there. And That's what was interesting to me is that you see there's a lot of activity. Then the activity stops and the room basically empties out. But the monitors stay to make sure you know, they didn't just like say, all right, she said to go home. We're just going home. They waited. Clearly, it looked to me until they were satisfied that this operation had completely ceased and everyone was gone is what it looked like from the video. Exactly. That's what it looked like to me, too, Monica. And so they hung around after it was shut down. The monitors still hung around for about another 15 minutes. And then at 1055, they uh, they left, uh, according to the video. And uh, as soon as they left, the uh, lady in the blonde braids then starts pulling out uh, suitcases and the helpers are, are pulling out suitcases from under the skirted table. It was so, just amazing. Yeah. Three, four and five, uh, 1103, 1104, 1105. The supervisor pulls out uh, one. And uh, they take them on back and they start scanning. Because we did see that, like when they released the video, we all saw it on Twitter. Binkley showed me like a couple of different angles that was very interesting. But there, you know, the context is everything. It's easy to make something, you know, look exactly the way you want it to look without showing you the bigger picture. But as you, you know, with that video, it basically pans out to the bigger picture. And that to me makes it, unambiguous right right it just uh it all added up and made perfectly crystal clear sense once i saw it and and then i felt like i had to uh elaborate on this a little bit for the house because i was actually a state farm arena observer and i was familiar with the room how late were you there were you there that day 
Now, ironically, I was there the next mor uh, morning after the damage had just been done. So, um, And you'd already kind of knew there was something up because of all the late, like the 1.30 a.m. ballot count surge, right? Or were you not aware of that yet? Well, no, I actually wasn't aware of that just yet. So I came in, you know, looked, you know, checked around, uh, and I was not really aware of that until the next evening. Um, that's when I became aware. I think it was the 5th of November, not the 4th, uh, which was a second surge, but not as, as dramatic. Okay, so let's let's just go back. So you see uh, the woman with the blonde braids, the the stuff, the suitcases, which did not appear to be the same as the boxes that the other absentee ballots were in, right? So that they even if suitcases are sometimes a normal thing for absentee ballots to be transported in, this was not consistent with the other absentee ballots, if I recall correctly. It yeah, that's exactly right, Monica. So the issue isn't so much of the case of what they're in. It's the fact that they're not being processed the same way that, that, uh, the others were. You know, they, they didn't get the, the cases off the wall. Um, and right, where know, the rest of them had been stacked or stowed. Is that right? Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, um, so, and, and it appears that they, they had already, uh, they didn't have envelopes. Uh, most of these, you know, they have big envelope uh, opening uh, processors in the room. So these ballots, were, you know. Were so these had already envelopes. been taken out of their envelopes, supposedly. Correct. That's, That's a total, correct. totally different protocol from what I was watching on election night. Am I wrong? Right. No. I, think I saw some not, of that on TV. Even. Not wrong. Not wrong. So, so let me ask you, I don't want to jump ahead, but or maybe I am jumping ahead. How how long did that did those. The, counting those ballots that came out of the suitcase last. Could you tell that? Yes, absolutely. And that was where, exactly where I was going. You're reading my mind. So it, that the scanning continued for uh, almost two hours um, from, you know, just a couple minutes after 11 till just a few minutes before uh, one. And they had at least four, if not five scanners. The scanners can go three to 5,000 ballots an hour, and there's nothing to prevent them from scanning the same ballots over and over again on top of that. Wow. Um, so they were uh, on their merry way there. So uh, that was an absolute minimum, I would say, of 15,000, and that's extremely conservative. It could be as high as 35,000 uh, ballots that, were, that they scanned illegally without monitors present. Do you think that Fulton was the only place that happened? Well, I, it's hard to say. What I can tell you, Monica, is that Fulton County had the biggest spike. I think that there were some other, there could have been some potential issues in other counties like the cab, but, uh, the spike that occurred in Biden votes that literally won the election came within a half an hour after the scanners left. So they scan for two hours. They leave at 12.55, um, obviously with the memory cards. And then uh, those cards uh, would likely have been taken to the tabulation center, which is only about a 10-minute drive. And then they would have been uh, uploaded, you know, rather quickly. So sure enough, 40 minutes later, 
there's this huge surge of Biden votes, uh, like a hundred thousand more, uh, uh, something like he had 136,000, of which maybe, uh, no more than half of those could be, could have been legitimate, I would have thought. But, um, that is, and if you look at the time feed, well, you can see, you know, all the election results come in, how it'll go back and forth, Biden will go up, Trump will go up, and so on. And then all of a sudden there's this just big boom for Biden and it's over. You know, after but that's that, even more than could be accounted for by that one feed in Fulton, right? That that number, 100,000, or even if it's 50,000, is, oh, you're saying it could actually, because fifteen to 30,000 is like a conservative estimate of what could. Do you think that what happened in that room in Fulton could have been the difference maker? Absolutely. In fact, that's where uh, that's exactly where I ended up going with that. So um, so there are a couple of questions that come up. You know, there are a couple of arguments that people make against this before we get to the conclusion. Like, for example, they'll say, well, are the fraudulent ballots, if they're really fraudulent, then why did the ballots, uh, number of ballots cast match the number of voters voted? Well, that's a good question. But the truth is they didn't match. You know, Fulton was off by 342, uh, and they had to rebalance them stuff. But the other things, the other two real serious considerations are that the, the supervisor who's over this operation also controls the absentee ballot processing list and tracking list. So if you remember, many people came to the polls and they were told they had already voted by absentee. Well, if you wanted to inject, uh, you know, thousands of ballots into uh, the account, you basically just need to check off somebody on the absentee ballot rolls oh. as voted, and then oh. you can match your totals. Something is coming together for me here, yes. and I know you've told me before, but I just, I don't think it clicked. So when people argue against purging voters who haven't voted in a long time or, or that kind of thing by having a lot of voters who haven't voted in a long time that kind of gives you a pool of voters from which to draw if you wanted to cast votes in somebody's name who isn't going to come up and say hey i need to vote what do you mean i already voted it it, it would it would and um but but rather than to remove legitimate voters from the rolls, I think it would be better simply to make sure, as a basic security procedure, you don't want somebody who's controlling the ballot, the ballots themselves and the scanning to be have anything to do with the absentee ballot list. Right. That should be separate, separate functions just for pure security uh, uh, reasons. Right. I have one more question in that vein. I remember in 2016, the big problem with the or this, the thing where you filed a, uh, a complaint against Governor Kemp, which was never, I think, or was Secretary of State Kemp at the time. Yes. That wasn't picked up. That was about how the voter registrations were hacked. Somebody hacked them and demonstrated their hackability. Could, and I realized that was a different system back then, but are those the kind of security breaches that could lead to the opportunity to kind of stuff the ballot box? Well, yeah, there's so many uh, security breaches that could, right. Monica. Like, yeah. let's say, say for example, another one uh, that I talked about was the Dominion. Uh, Dominion has a security flaw that allows the memory cards 
to be substituted. So, so let's suppose you had memory cards that were 70-30 for Biden at Fulton, but you, now you've got uh, four or five memory cards that are 100% Biden votes. Well, you could, you could conceivably swap those out. Um, there's different things you can do. Uh, because the Dominion is, system is not really that secure. And, um, that's one of the reasons why Texas rejected the system. But, uh, and that was before we bought it. And we told the Secretary of State about Texas rejection, uh, before we purchased it here, but it didn't seem to do any good. <laughs> I had, I, I know that this is another thing that I, I know you've told us before, but, as a lay person, I really don't fully understand how they, everybody keeps throwing up that there was a recount, there was an audit, this, the Trump thing was done over and over again. Georgia certified, you know, the, it's, it's crystal clear, but, but you have said that, and I think I understand this, that, that the number that was certified has stayed consistent because the original number, regardless of how the recount or the audit came out, was the one that they've decided Raffensperger has decided to just leave on the books. But is, is there a way to see if the, the, I know the audit had that problem where it went straight up to the Arlo system and then was aggregated so that the precincts themselves could not verify that their, their recount, their audit was actually the number reflected. But wow. as far, but the recount didn't have that problem, right? Yeah, that's right. The recount had a different problem, and that is that the recount only rescans the barcode that had the unverifiable results. Oh, so okay. All that does is reprint the previous unverifiable results. Okay, so you don't even have the possibility of a hanging chad, for example, because you're not even you don't really have anything that the voter ever even touched. Right. Right. So it's basically meaningless. Yeah, it's um, just too late to audit at that yeah. point. But is it? But is it too late? Like there is. I think you. I thought you said there would. There could be a way to get it right. Well, first of all, you want to examine those ballots, right? That that don't appear to be uh, authentic mail-in ballots. Isn't that one of the things? Well, yeah, that's right. And um, I was hoping that we would get the opportunity to do that with Sydney's lawsuit, but. Um, Sidney Powell's uh, lawsuit, uh, basically, uh, Judge uh, Timothy Batten didn't seem to want to mess with it at all, even give her a few days to to uh, inspect stuff. Um, so that was pretty disturbing. Um, so we did. We still have not gotten to look at the ballots yet, and we still keep counting these invalid ballots, which is getting to be a waste of time. As Do you, you have said. any idea why they don't want to mess? Why the courts? don't want to mess with some of this stuff? Are they afraid of what might happen if it's overturned or I don't know? Yeah, I honestly don't know, Binkley. It's, it's almost getting to the point of being bizarre. I, I think I told you last week, I thought Lynn Wood's suit was a little bit weak. Um, but And I, I didn't expect that one to be upheld. But Sidney Powell's, I mean, basically, when you're just putting evidence of fraud on the table, and the court doesn't even want to do anything about it. That's that's pretty bizarre. Um, and and she did put a fair amount of evidence on the table um, for the for the court to see. I also noticed that David Schaefer's case was dismissed because of a filing technicality and a failure to submit fees. 
I thought that, I mean, that just seemed like something that normally they let you remedy, but maybe, you know, I don't know if you noticed that that was like a Trump, a Trump lawsuit that was, they said this week in Georgia was not, I guess the original one was defective and then they tried to go directly to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said, we don't take this directly. So you having failed in a lower court, you can't come here. Maybe it wasn't significant, but it just seemed like another thing that they just weren't, they weren't hearing it. They were literally not hearing it. Right, right. It's it's kind of bizarre when you can't even get the evidence in front of a judge. Um, yeah, I, I, so, yeah. So what do you do? Like, what what is your next step there? So you were at the Georgia House Government Affairs Committee, Affairs Committee on Thursday. You showed this evidence, which is undeniable and certainly in my, you know, undeniably a, and a reason to go back and look at those to physically examine, right? Those absentee ballots. Isn't that, the, you know, a, a step that you'd like to take? Absolutely. That's the common sense step. And that's what I explained. I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm nonpartisan. The way to, the way to solve this issue is to look at the absentee ballots. You know, if, if they're all good, then Biden won. If they're not, you have to take out the bad ones and then and, uh, and see the where ch- we stand. The chain of custody, though, for those suitcases. I mean, if you don't have where where were those suitcases verified, like the signatures and stuff verified, like if those were not coming out of mail uh, envelopes, surely they they have a place where there's video of, you know, how those ballots got from the envelope into those particular suitcases. What about that? Right. Right. That is a good question. And, you know, unless they did it outside of the. The room, um, but then you have to invalidate all of those if there's no, right? I mean, there's no possible way. To, but but I guess what you're saying is those are the ones that you would expect to not actually look authentic anyway, right? And, right. You know, like other right. ones didn't. Okay, that's what exactly. That's what I think. I think if we could inspect them, we would find that those are invalid. Those were the Biden ballots, wow. and, and then the question is, okay. How many of them are there? Is there enough to make a 12,670 vote difference or not? And, right. And the fact that you can rescan the same one, that seems crazy. I mean, then you could really identify that some of them aren't authentic if you can't even get the numbers to match. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, um, and so Monica, about, and so I do want two more things I wanted to mention. So the Secretary of State, here's where it gets really even more bizarre, uh, even more bizarre than the courts. What surprised me more than anything was the Republican Secretary of State covering up for the Fulton Democrats. That I couldn't believe. Uh, that just absolutely floored me. So, um, we had, so the Secretary of State came to the defense of Fulton County in two different ways. First of all, their inspector general produces a declaration, which has no uh, real basis in law. You know, it's not an affidavit. And uh, she tries to say that the monitors decided to leave on their own accord. Well, of course they did, but that was because they were told things, everything was shutting down. You know, their affidavits say that they where they were told that they were shutting down. The video shows that they were shutting down. Uh, all the scan seems to stop uh, before the monitors left, as you already said, Monica. And then um, the monitors returned. After they realized what happened, they, they came back. So all of that refutes 
the inspector general's uh, claim that the monitors may have decided to leave on their own. The other thing that the Secretary of State, the manager said, Gabriel Sterling, who's the uh, implementation manager for the voting system, he says, well, everything you just saw was normal ballot processing. <laughs> normal, I mean, I mean that's, it defies common sense. You know, you don't use skirted tables to hide ballots. And you already talked about this, Mark, is that, you know, the ballots were uh, not processed from the wall. They were hidden under the table. Um, the envelopes were already removed. We talked about that. Um, and they were illegally scanned onto memory cards without monitors, you know, tens of thousands. Uh, and, you know, and even, even the curvature of the room and the, the way the monitors were roped up is, is really not, uh, not consistent with Georgia code. So how he can stand up and say with a straight face that this is normal ballot processing is just absolutely, um, beyond my my expectations or my understanding. Uh, so that's when I posed uh, to the legislatures that the Secretary of State was involved in a cover-up. And ironically, one of the legislators, Scott Turner, Republican, who actually voted against House Bill 316 last year, only Republican to vote against it, he also chimed in uh, and started talking about the false information that the legislators have gotten from the Secretary of State's office. Wow. So, yeah, so, so that's where it's really getting crazy. Well, and uh, here's the thing that is so common in the, the things that frustrate me about, um, these sorts of injustices is that the media absolutely does not cover it. It does, there's, it, the media seems clear, more and more clear that the media is there to drown out this kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, they will they will just print or report whatever the Secretary of State says, even if it's completely invalid. And he knows that, which is why he knows he can get away with it. And he does. I, I think that he if he thought that he was going to be scrutinized nationally, because this is a national, really critical national issue, he he wouldn't. I don't think he'd do it. I think he knows that he's they've got his back. Absolutely. They, they he'll use that as much as he can. Or actually, it's not so much Brad. It's his uh, PR person. They know how to how to milk the uh, press and, ha- and also the legislators. They can tell the legislators anything um, and get away with it as well. That's a good point about the PR person spinning it. That's what this whole thing has been. It's been a, a battle of an information war, so to speak. Let me ask you a question. This is from an article from election night, November 3rd, from ABC News. And it says... Later in the night, Regina Waller, the Fulton County Public Affairs Manager for Elections, told ABC News that the election department sent the State Farm Arena absentee ballot counters home at 10.30 p.m., despite earlier intentions to complete processing Tuesday night. Some additional numbers could still come out Tuesday night, but as of now, the staff will be back at 8.30 a.m. Wednesday. They all seem to dispute the fact that people were sent home, but this here in ABC News from election night seems to confirm that people were sent home. Right. And that's a good one. I would like to uh, have a copy of that. I'll, um, I'll email it to you. Um, the, uh, and uh, so this is interesting because Regina Walla is the communications director for Fulton County. And, uh, she, uh, is, she, she cuts it pretty straight. You know, she doesn't, uh, uh, she doesn't cover up for anybody. She just 
reports what she thinks. And, um, you know, you can get some pretty straight information from, from her. Uh, and they, I've been, you know, pretty successful at getting information from her that was accurate. So, uh, I think that that report is, in fact, accurate. So, so that kind of leaves us. I thought I'd just sum up the compelling evidence for you. So, so here's what I think just is overwhelming and that compared to all the claims. So we have four auditors, auditors that claim that they handle the fraudulent ballots, four different affidavits. We have the monitors. Two of them have, have submitted affidavits that they were told that the processing would stop, but it continued, like you're saying, Binkley, with the ABC report. And then we've got the election feed that shows this huge spike. We've got two affidavits on that. Uh, and that really decided the election. And then you've got the case where Fulton County is refusing to show us the ballots that would solve this whole problem. Uh, in spite of the open records request, they're, real, they're even willing to, you know, deny uh, the, the well, not, they just ignore the request, even though they're in violation of Georgia law. And, uh, you know, we saw, we talked about the video evidence with all those thousands of ballots being scanned illegally. And then here's another kicker. One woman that's prominently displayed in the video actually has confessed to this crime on social media, on her social media account, prayed for forgiveness, and then told the public she's lawyering up. So wow. That's amazing. And is somebody so, in that video? Yes, yes. It's the, uh, actually, it's the mother of the lady with the blonde braids. Really? And she's very, very prominently featured in there with the purple shirt. Maybe um, she got pressured into doing it. And is her statement still on there on social media? Well, they have suddenly uh, tried to, I think they pulled her account and created another one uh, ever since, since that first happened and was found out. Um, wow. But yeah, so yeah, you're she, not allowed to talk about the election in any way that doesn't YouTube, support yeah. Biden. I, and and. Yeah. I think is Twitter not part of that too? I think they are putting up warnings anyway. Facebook, yeah, Twitter puts up warnings, and YouTube, if yeah, you YouTube, question you it, will take pulling. the video down eventually. Wow! So yeah. tomorrow is Elector Day. So what? What are there? Is there any recourse left, Garland? Or are, are we just going to like walk away? Like what happens? Yeah. So that's a great question. So I, so I concluded that the uh, the steel is real. And the Georgia electors belong to the president of the United States. So that brings us to the next question, your question. Well, what about the Senate race? Well, if these same people, if these people stole the presidential race and they're going to count the votes of the Senate race again <laughs> and we're not going to do anything about it, then right. what, this makes no sense. And I'm really disturbed by this. I think it is such a transparent effort to get Republicans to stay home, or at least if you're going to steal the Senate for Democrats, to have this movement that says, oh, we're Q or we're Trumpsters or whatever, and we urge Republicans to stay home and teach the Republican Party a lesson by not voting Republican in the Senate runoff on January 5th. Like that whole movement to me is so suspicious. And if nothing else, it could, it will, if they do, steal the January 5th Senate races in Georgia, it'll be a perfect 
beard to say, oh, well, Republicans stayed home because people won't believe it because the Senate race, especially Leffler, she would if if it was just a Republican, you know, if it was just her without any other Republicans, she would have won hands down. And and if the Democrats win, they're going to have to have some excuse for it. That doesn't make it look like pure cheating. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I don't know what to say. I honestly don't know what to say. I'm I'm speechless about this whole mess. And when I, I you think about Fulton County, uh, they have t- taken no action whatsoever on these people who were in the video. And they've actually uh, started to attack the folks who testified against them, against the county, um, you know, poll workers who were employed and brought forth testimony favorable to the president's legal team. So they're already starting to come after them uh, and not not uh, doing anything about the ones who actually cheated. What about you? I noticed that I noticed that General Flynn was tweeting about things that you had said last week. And I was wondering if you've been getting any heat over all this stuff. Um, well, the only heat I got um, um, I, first of all, I didn't even, I didn't even know that General Flynn had tweeted anything about me. I did know that Trump picked up a couple, um, on the interview I had about the Ware County thing, um, uh, which is a whole nother story. I'm not sure we talked about this last week, but the, um, 37 vote flip in Ware County. So I documented that with an affidavit and all the attachments, five pieces of corroborating evidence. Um, and if that I, I did see your work on that, if that is scaled up to the election generally, that very narrow margin of victory for Biden disappears. Right. Absolutely. Uh, exactly. That's the exact uh, margin of victory. In fact, yeah, now, it's like a quarter I, of a point. Yeah, I don't I don't know that that was you know actually. Uh, happened. Universe, but, right. You don't know. Right. But we don't, we, and we don't know if it applied in all the other counties. But the thing is, we need to, uh, preserve the machine and check it out. And nobody wants to do that. And that's when, that's when it gets even more bizarre. Uh, no, nobody wants an honest election. Yeah. So, so oh, just so you know, there was a tweet that you were referred to in. Maybe I don't think you sent it, but it was about you and General Flynn retweeted it. So you you had definitely Twitter fame last week. Oh, I know. I'm not there was a hashtag you. around you, actually. Really? Was it? Yeah. What did it? Do you remember what it was? It was hashtag Carlin oh, Favrito, I believe. Nice. Oh That's my awesome. gosh. So, but so so what I I have to be crystal clear on this because I'm not not tomorrow is electric day not just in Georgia but everywhere to the extent that people are unsatisfied that this thing has been fully vetted like in Georgia and other places probably Detroit what do you know if there's anything more to be done? Like, what are you guys, or are you guys at the end of the road? Maybe I just asked this and I just am not hearing the answer, but. Well, we're, we're still, uh, fighting for the electoral votes. I mean, they were still pressuring the legislature to call for, to call for a special session. Um, they do have one more day. This is Sunday, tomorrow's Monday. Um, so that, we you know, we're still focused on the presidential race and not on the Senate race. Um, but I mean, you raise a lot of good questions, Monica, that don't have really good answers right now. 
Um, but but going back to the heat, Binkley was asking about the heat. So here's one thing that's interesting. So uh, the USA Today did a fact check on this story, on the 37-vote change, and they claimed, no, it was human error, not vote flipping, according to the USA Today's fact check. So, and then they said that this, the claim was baseless. Uh, they had reached out to, to, uh, me and some other, uh, Twitter group, which I don't even know who existed, and that we did not respond. And therefore, the whole thing was baseless and it was, they, they gave it a false. So, uh, the Baltimore Post Examiner did a great in-depth interview with me and they, they brought this to my attention. I said, okay, let me, let me give you a statement that you can put uh, at the end of your interview for the Baltimore Post Examiner. So I gave them a statement. They loved it. And, and this is what it said. It said, no one at USA Today made any attempt to contact me about our press release identifying a 37-vote flip from Trump to Biden, even though my personal cell phone was on the, prefer the press release they referenced. If they had, if they had I would have referred them to my unrebutted affidavit with three corroborating attachments and confirmations from the Ware County Elections Director and Dr. Earl Martin, a former Waycross City Commission candidate. Instead, they chose to quote unsubstantiated statements from election officials to support the USA Today's biased political agenda rather than doing real investigative reporting that a legitimate fact check site requires. That's one reason why I dropped my print subscription to USA Today, and I urge all other subscribers to do likewise. That's, that's fantastic. fantastic. Oh my gosh, that's so great. See, because you're right, and you you do you actually have the evidence, so you can say things like that. But very few people speak strongly anymore because they're just blowing smoke. But they, they claimed to have spoken with you, and they didn't. To have and reached out. To have reached, reached out to you, out. and they didn't. And Maybe that's they correct. DM'd him, you know, on Twitter. Unbelievable. But you don't always get that. These fact checks are so bogus. Almost all that. I mean, they sprinkle in a few correct ones that are easy to correct, like did aliens blow up Mars, fact check false, you stuff, something just easy they can get a win on. But everything else is just so bogus. Yeah, all, all they did was they just picked up quotes from election officials, never did any investigative reporting whatsoever, not, a, not nothing, and then went with that story. So I'm, uh, I, I'm, I may have to talk to Lynn Wood about a defamation suit against, uh, <laughs> <laughs> against USA Today. That'd be perfect. Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> wow. So, Gosh, there's just so much. I, I I really hope that this thing can carry on. And like you, I didn't vote for either of those people. I didn't vote for Trump or Biden. I just it's just outrageous. And I was really hoping like my last vestige of hope in in that this system that you can, we can kick the can on our current form of government. I mean, it's it's going out the window with this. If there's no further recourse with the evidence that you've presented, I don't know what else. You know, I, we're, this this uh, American experiment is well and truly dead. Yeah, you're right, Micah. I'm 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 stunned. Uh, I really, we're. I think our next step, where we're going to possibly try to put together a lawsuit of citizens against Fulton County. 
Um, so uh, maybe we're looking at that. Try to force them to open the ballots. It might even be too late, but um, I, I, that's we've got to do something. We just can't let this stand. Do you know anything about the process that would throw it to Congress after tomorrow? I, I can't. I don't know the full details of it right now, but has something to do with people in the Senate and people in the House making an objection that one way or another gets it to January 6th as a, as when it would be determined? Yeah, that's a great question, Binkley. And I have, um, I don't know. I haven't gotten that far because we're just, we're still trying to push another day or two on the state legislature. Um, we are being, uh, it's bizarre that they have not called a special statement, a special session. Um, we understand Ralston's people are some of them, their leaders are not, uh, uh, back in it, but we understand that we had quite a few, maybe a hundred or so, uh, total that were for a special session. The governor can call the special session, uh, but he's been reluctant to do that. Um, and it's, that's really bizarre. And here is where I want to get down to this, Monica. You're going to really like this one. So, so, uh, it's pretty disturbing. We've been trying to figure out why wouldn't the governor call a special session? I mean, after all, Trump, uh, endorsed him and he actually won the, the gubernatorial race in the, the primary because Trump endorsed him. Um, you know, he's supposed to be a Republican. So that, that would favor Republicans. So we, We've been trying to figure out what and why Brian Kemp will not call a special session. And I got kind of a heads up alert, uh, Friday night that I need to be thinking about what happened down in, in Pooler, Georgia last weekend when, um, Harrison Deal was killed on I-16. Harrison was the boyfriend of Brian Kemp's, one of Brian Kemp's daughters. Uh, and it's a very bizarre so-called accident in which flames shot 100 feet in the air, uh, total burnouts of uh, uh, a couple of vehicles. He was killed. Uh, no, uh, no one else was, you know, was harmed uh, other than a couple of injuries, minor, very minor injuries. Um, but there's something really wrong there, and I don't know what it is, but um, since I know, Monica, you're into those kinds of things, I just thought I'd I don't throw think that there out. are coincidences. Don't think they're coincidences. I right. just never believe in coincidence. I assume right. that if someone is going to, you know, something, I think it's more likely that something happens for rational reasons mm -hmm. than for coincidences. That's my starting point, and I would just, I mean... Yeah, I, 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 I would be worried for anybody who actually tried to crack that code, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I was, um, even the people on Facebook, the pooler, the pooler police were saying, okay, you know, the road's going to be shut down for most of the day, in fact, yeah. after that accident. And, uh, and the folks were responding on, on the, the Pooler Police's Facebook page and said, you call that an accident? Wow. That's, that's, that's not an accident. That's an, ex you know, 
Wow. That's an explosion. So uh, yeah. they were wow. they were going literally. They were going after the Pooler police for calling it an accident. Um, and I, I didn't think anything of it, but I just right. looked. I looked at the videos, or not the video. Well, yeah, there is a video, and there's also stills, and it's devastating. I mean, the the way I think about that stuff is, you know, people <coughs> just let's talk theoretically for one moment about conspiracies. What people often say to me is how do people keep these secrets? And I always use some of the work I did on the Boston Marathon bombing as saying, well, some people keep secrets and some people don't, but some of the people who were involved in the investigation, like the FBI hostage rescue team shortly after that incident fell out of a helicopter in a training mission. And I just yeah. always think, you know, those guys, what if, what if there are a couple of people who, know what's going on and just have the conscience like the person who put her her face up there on twitter saying i like i just i i'm not okay with this and what do they do i mean you you i think that if there are conspiracies you got to silence the people who can't be trusted and if you silenced a couple of people like that then the rest of the people can be trusted yeah i i, I can't help but wonder if if the governor is uh under being intimidated and that was uh, part of it. I, I just, uh, well, I think- see with him, I go way back to the 2016 and everything else. And I feel like he, because didn't you say that the 2016, um, the results in Georgia that seemed weird to you were, was that Hillary got too many suburban votes and that if there were shenanigans, it was actually against Trump. I, I did say that. I, I did say that, Monica. It, it, that, I was really, it just still seems bizarre to me that she was carried, uh, Cobb and uh, Gwinnett at that time. Yeah. And was, just the way that Stacey Abrams never talked about that case against him and the way that they played dirty pool against Cagle in the, in the primaries. Like, I just, I feel like this guy is Manchurian. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's kind of creepy, actually. Yeah. The whole thing's creepy. Uh, well, with, here we with, are. We're back down in the rabbit hole. We always end up in the rabbit hole, but <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, that stuff will keep separate. Yeah, well, I knew we were getting close to the end of the show, so I figured, well, we'll, we'll have to throw out something. Yeah, no, that was interesting. I hadn't known about that, and I do I, – I think I need, like, a, a second laptop that <laughs> – like yeah. a burner laptop you, to investigate this stuff. Yeah, do you well, know if this this – this guy was the one that was in the commercial that Kemp did with a gun. He, he had the commercial where there was a outrage because people said that he was pointing the gun at somebody yeah. in the commercial. And it was his kid's boyfriend, at least in the commercial. Is this the same person? I, I don't think it is. I I don't think that's Harrison Deal. I think that's somebody is, else. Is, is Harrison Deal a relation to Governor Deal? I, I believe he is, Monica, but I have not gotten ex- exactly what that is. It's kind of a distance uh, relationship. Yeah. But okay. I it says think he was the son there. of the commissioner, Kurt Deal. Yeah, Bullock County. Wow. Um, but I, I think there's I think there's a relationship there somewhere. I just haven't been able Jeez to track it all down. That's messed up, man. But yeah, I can't help but wonder if he's under pressure not to call a session. for. Oh, see, I, I just, I I would read it even more cynically, but regardless, it's, you know, you got to wonder if there's stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, but yeah, yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Anyway. So what, 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 what should we be looking for for next week? 
Uh, for next week, Monica, we're breaking a story, uh, and we heard it here first. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's uh, is going to be co- uh, county, Coffee County. I'll tell you, this Coffee County uh, ran their recount. They ran it three times, and they came up with erroneous results all three times that they know is right. And then they refused to certify the recount results because of the Dominion machine couldn't count. They couldn't count right one of the three times, not one. Wow. Gosh, I mean, stuff like that seems to negate the entire process across the board to me, not even just that isolated case. Like, that's the thing. Yeah, and that yeah. Texas didn't use these machines because of the flaws with them. It just seems like there's so many obvious problems. With and them. how far ahead of it Garland was all along. Yeah. Before this, Raffensperger, he was against... We helped him with that and with the, and always fighting this, uh, this thing, which I remember very distinctly reading all your analysis about how this stuff was more expensive, less reliable and unauditable versus the system that you recommended. I mean, I smelled a rat. I, I don't know if you did, but I smelled a rat from the beginning yeah, with this yeah. stuff. And, and Michael, we, we, we literally, we sat down. I think I may have told you this before. We sat down with Brad. When he was in the Republican primary and he was in the runoff with David Bellisle. Yeah. Um, and he came over to, it was at Madison Forum event one day and the president of Madison Forum, Michael Lopez and I sat down with him and I, we laid it out for him. He said, look, these are the machines you want to avoid. These are the machines that are good. You know, and, and the ones that you wanted to avoid, this is one of the ones that we told him don't get involved with because it's a barcoded voting system and you don't want to, any kind of system that accumulates votes that are hidden in barcode. So he did he say a, okay? <laughs> no, he just took the information. Right. He was grateful that we gave it to him, but Sadness. that's obviously it didn't go anywhere. I don't know yeah. where it went. He said, "Oh, thank you. I, these might be the ones we want to use." <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It was like, "Wow, you can do that." Why can't? Wow. <laughs> Who knew this was even possible? <laughs> oh well, at least we can still laugh. At least we can yeah, laugh. I'm trying. So, all right. Well, let's let's wrap it up with many thanks to you, Garland, and really looking forward to talking again next week. And I would just, I would have renewed faith. There are two things that would renew my faith, or at least keep me going a little bit longer. If if Trump pardoned Ross Ulbricht, I don't know if you know who he is, but he is wrongly in jail uh, for the uh-huh. new Silk Road thing. And if uh-huh. this if your work sees the light and and your investigations are at least picked up by these people, I'll I'll have a little more faith in the system, but it's not looking good. <laughs> yeah, uh, most of the light that we're getting is from the national, uh, more conservative news media. They're all over it, but the local folks won't won't touch anything. Here. Gosh. All right. Until next time. Thank you so much for your time, Garland. All right. Thanks, Monica. Thanks, Pinkley. Thanks, Garland. Bye. Bye. See you later.